Devante, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super, I'm stoked. I'm ready for this. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. So has it wait, is this your first time on a podcast or you've been on a podcast before? I've I've been on a podcast before. Um awesome. this is my first time with you and you're and sharing your lovely energy in this space. Hey, you mm. know it. <laughs> it's reciprocal, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, speaking of loving energy, you know, where did Sifu Love come from? Where did where did that name get coined and and also the soul whisperer i love this <laughs> yeah i'm i'm all about names and i'm about um using because i feel like names have a certain frequency and, and a vibration to them mm-hmm. and with the right name we're giving off the right not the right we're giving off a certain intention and vibration to other people and so the creation of my name is it's a it's a very interesting process how I got to my name. Um, so Sifu means teacher in Chinese and um, teacher or master. And it's given, it's a title that's given to someone who's gone through rigorous martial arts training mm-hmm. and is ready to pass on the knowledge um, from one lineage down to the next generation of students. And you know, I've been studying martial arts now for about specifically Chinese Kung Fu for 15, this, this is actually my 16th year. Wow. Um, so I've been studying it for a while. Yeah. And from day, not day one, from month one, um, my instructor was like, we want you to help out with the little kids. And so I started teaching the, the little kids the things that I was learning. Um, and I kept going and as, as I got more advanced and I got to my black slash, I got to teach older students. and. Gosh, teaching teenagers was was something. The teenagers were rough and difficult, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it really stretched my my teaching capacity, um, my ability to be patient, to be open minded, to be understanding and compassionate. It truly helped with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over the years, I, I just kept teaching, and I um, I talked to my head instructor like a couple years ago. And then he basically gave me an informal induction into the, the lineage and said, you are now a Sifu. Wow. Um, so he gave me that title and I was like, this feels special. You know, I put in so many years of training, not for the title, but just because I love the art itself. I love Kung Fu. Right. Um, and now I feel like I'm able to go out and teach um, to other people. So th- that's how the name Sifu came up. Um, Love is my new last name that I adopted about about a year and a half ago um, because I was in meditation one time and I um, felt into the vibration of my last name. And I traced my last name all the way back to its lineage and found out it came from a slave owner. And mm. it, it was the name that was given to my ancestors and they had passed it on and, and now I had it. And when I felt into that, I was like, this name never felt great to me. Um, and it has no strong connection to my immediate family either. It was just mm-hmm. sort of given to me. Um, and then so I was like, okay, well, you know, what name is going to best honor my ancestors and show them that I'm here and I'm present and I'm available and I'm a gateway to the, the ancestral realm and this modern day present realm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in meditation, the 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 word love kept coming to mind. Love, 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 love. And I'm like, yeah. that's a that's a nice word. It's I guess it's a nice name. I I, I don't know if it's for me though. Um, and I talked to my grandmother, and she told me that her great great grandmother's last name was also Love. And mm-hmm. I was like. Oh, I never knew that, and wow. it's something that she had never talked about because she um, she has so many memories from her past that she doesn't necessarily casually discuss. And I was like, okay, so this is interesting. The name Love came to me in a meditation. It's related to my um, Native American side of of my my ancestors. Wow. And I was like, okay, so I'm gonna adopt this name. And so that's how Sifu Love came to be. That's how Sifu Love was born into the world. And every time I say that name, it feels strong because it has the resonance of my ancestors and it has the um, the faith and the ambition from all of my years of martial arts training. Mm-hmm. So that is my name. Awesome. Wow. And it came to you during meditation. Like, do you feel mm-hmm. do you feel that you were being, um, you know, that you were in communication with the ancestor? I definitely think I, I was, you know, there's there's so many times where I've gone into this a specific meditation practice that I use to connect with my ancestors that they, they actually showed me how to do. Um, and the more that I do this practice, the more that I pick up little tidbits of information that I ask my grandmother and she's like, oh, yes, that's true. Or, you know, she gives me information and that information somehow appears in the meditation and it and it evolves into new information that I give to her and she's like oh yeah th- that actually feels resonant and feels like what I what I know of um her 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 great great grandmother yeah yeah I, I downloads from them in in meditation and it's really beautiful you know it's beautiful to feel that I have thousands of years of history um at my fingertips, yeah. in a sense, you know, like being able to communicate and ask them questions and understand a little bit of what their life was like and how they went about a situation mm-hmm. then gives me some perspective as to how I might consider going about a situation. Yeah. Um, I, I don't follow their advice all the time, maybe like 60% of the time, but they, they give me really good feedback and really good perspective that I can utilize to see the world that we currently live in in a little bit more of an expansive way. Yeah. Wow, this really reminds me of, you know, like Avatar, The Last Airbender, when Aang, you know, <laughs> you're bridging both worlds together, bro. Like, you know, the Avatar, what, Roku, Kiyoshi, you know, he was talking to mm-hmm. all of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's so funny that you mentioned that because that TV show, Avatar, The Last Airbender, I swear when I first saw it, and I'm not talking about the movie because that shall not ever be named again. Um <laughs> But that TV show, when I watched it, it had such an impact on me. And I didn't really understand why. Like, when I was watching it, I felt like I was Aang. I felt like I was Roku. I felt like I was Kyoshi. I felt like I was Karuk. Like, mm-hmm. I felt a strong connection to them. And I'm like, why do I love these characters so much? Why am I so invested in the choices that they make, whether or not they die, or whether or not, like, how they go about saving the world and um, bring about justice? And... You know, when I started to look at my life and I'm like, well, I've studied the four styles of martial arts that the four styles of Kung Fu that the Avatar studies. Right. I have a deep connection with my ancestral lineage that I go to in meditation. 
Um, and I'm like, you know, the, there's some interesting correlations that I'm seeing to my own life. And that's why I'm so drawn to the series and to the characters. And I feel really invested. Like, I feel like they are my family and I have to like watch over them as I watch the, the shows in some mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that shows, man, that show is timeless. It's timeless. <laughs> yeah. It will forever it live on as a classic in my eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So when did the Soul Whisperer come about? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I haven't talked about that ever. So um, I went into solitude and silence at some point. Um, it's actually this year around the turn of the season from winter to spring. And that period of, of silence was super, super helpful for me. I, I try to go into silence for at least a week as the seasons change. So I'm actually about to go into silence for the shift into summer. Mm. Um, and each time I, I go into silence, there's something new that is unlocked. I'm able to go deeper into myself, realize something, pick up on something that then eventually grows and sprouts into one of the ways that I express myself in the world or an offering that I have or, you know, just something. Um, and in this last period of silence, it was um, it's probably the easiest period of silence that I had. And that was just because I had been surrounded by so much noise, um, like city noise. I had been surrounded by people so, for so long, and I, I really needed some escape. Um, and being a, surrounded by like the city noise and and the news and the media culture and and people, I I realized that I was losing sense of what my soul was trying to tell me. I was so focused on what. Um, culture was saying what the news was saying that I that I lost touch with with my soul um, for that period of time, and when I went into that period of silence, I shut myself off from everything. I only watched. Let me tell you, I only watched The Matrix and mm. the, the movie Soul, and that's mm. it. Those are the only things that I watched, and I because I wanted to reprogram my brain and sort of dump everything. But then I was like, I, I like The Matrix and I like Soul, and these are good ideas to circulate. So. I, I watched those things. And at some point during that week of silence, the the name the soul whisperer came came to mind. And it it literally sounded like a whisper that was coming from my soul. And it was whispering mm -hmm. up through my body and it was trying to come out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And the first time that that I said the soul whisperer, when I called myself the soul whisperer on camera, I was like, wow. Like, it mm -hmm. felt really powerful to say that. Like, that moment was a spiritual awakening for me. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the name came to me in silence. And, you know, it's, it's a title that I gladly accept and, and I embrace because the work that I do is teaching movement practices that help people connect to their own soul, that help people get information, get news, get... Um, get media from their own soul. And as they create that dialogue with their soul, they learn so much more about themselves, how they want to be in the world, how they want to interact with other people. And yeah, so it's it's just a powerful term. And I, again, I'm so specific about the words that I use. And, yeah. and when I use that word, it reminds me that 
you know, I feel like one of my duties in this lifetime is to help people connect with their soul yeah. and to help make sure that they are operating from the voice of their soul, which is from within, rather than the voice of society and culture, which is from the, the outside um, right. sphere. So, right. yeah, that's where the, the name came from. Nice. So being able to go internally, you know, shutting out all the external noise you know mm-hmm. that we could be bombarded with i definitely resonate with that you know and it makes me want to take a silent retreat myself you know <laughs> <laughs> oh. do it do it it's i i think silence is one of the most nutritious things um silence and solitude and it doesn't have to be like a week i i do a week cuz i'm extreme um, honestly, if I could do a month, I would, but that would put me so far out of society that that's too much. Um, but I, I tell people to like, you know, find, like, make half of your day um, a silent day and just be very intentional about pushing away everything and just going into yourself. Maybe you read a book um, and that can be a, a regular practice. And then maybe that extends to a day or two days. Um, but even then, like, just having that regular habit of going into intentional silence is something there's always something that comes up yeah i'm really interested as well you know often i say this but the matrix is my favorite movie of all time yay (laughs) what made that what what made your list you know for those two movies that you watched like how did the matrix make your list and and what did you gather from it since that was the one of the only films that you watched yeah um you know i'm gonna be honest with you i watched the matrix when it came out in 2000 like around 2000 Mm -hmm. um and i liked it but i didn't really get it you know at that point i was um I, I, I was too young to really understand the depth of that movie. And that movie has so much depth to Ooh, it. Yeah. Um, so much. And it's oh, it's so good. I'm kind of worried about this next Matrix movie they're making. But that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hadn't seen it since I had first seen it, like, around 2000. And people always talk about how amazing it is, how mind-shifting it is. I see... Um, memes of it on Tumblr and on Facebook and like everywhere. So I was like, so I had this in my consciousness that this is a very good movie. It's a consciousness shifting. It's a movie about awakening and realizing the truth about reality itself. And so for some reason, I kept not watching it. You know, like I just like, I was like, "Eh, I could watch it, but no, I'm, I'm not going to. And I kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And then when I was in silence, um, I had gone in, into meditation and I had, I had this visualization where I saw, like, I saw my soul and around my soul was like little clumps of, it kind of looks like gum. And those clumps of gum was like society and culture kind of imposing its way on onto my soul. Hmm. And when I saw that, it like broke my heart. And I was like, well, what can I do to you know, scrape off this gum to, to get to the the beauty and essence of, of my soul. And I got just flashes of the movie, The the Matrix. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm getting flashes. Let me actually watch it. Let me just actually do it. Um, and I watched it. And, you know, it's, it is such a great movie. It's a great trilogy. It's, 
um, it's there, there's so much to take away from it. And as I was watching it, there's so many quotes that came to mind that I wrote down that I'm eventually going to like create this whole project around. Nice. But I think the one thing that stood out to me, let me see. Um, we have a deep power within us mm -hmm. that if we spend time tapping into it, if we believe in, then we have access to it and we can bring it out into whatever dimension we're in. Yeah. Um, and so when I saw Neo like believe that he was the one and then he became the one because he believed he was the one, um, that was really powerful for me because I was like, you know, I have these beliefs about myself. You know, I, I believe myself to be the avatar. I believe myself to be a strong, powerful, magical, black witch you know i have, yeah. I have all, all these things that i believe about myself yeah and if i just like stop trying to if i stop trying and just allow myself to be these things what's gonna happen you know mm -hmm. what's gonna happen if i just allow myself to be these things and um and it, it was a little bit after that that the the name soul whisperer came up for me and it was a little bit after that that the healing work that i was doing with people got amplified massively um, mm -hmm. It was after that that I was able to tap even further into my ancestry and my past lives. And so it was this acceptance of my own power, this vast, limitless, unknown power that allowed me to be that limitless, boundless power. Yeah. So I think the movie like just reinstilled that message and again like like that's a very basic message from the movie, but I needed to hear it at that moment mm -hmm. and I think it sunk so deeply because I had not watched anything else. I literally had, like I had nothing else to feed my my culture or my my pop culture um, addiction, and so and so when I watched that, it like went straight through my system and it just completely shifted my mm. perspective of reality. Wow! Wow! Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's always cool, you know, hearing people's perspectives because everyone's is different. You know, mm -hmm. we're we're all different, so we see things in different ways. So I love that, and I also love, you know, what you were talking about with the gum, you know, sticking <laughs> to you, and that reminded me of the scene when he's sitting down with Morpheus, and Morpheus, you know, is giving him the red pill versus the blue pill. Mm -hmm. And he takes the red pill and he looks over at a mirror to the side mm -hmm. of him and he puts his hand, you know, to the mirror and it sticks to him and it starts like covering him, you know. So mm -hmm. that's what that scene, it reminded me of what you said about the gum. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You are a true fan of the series because I completely forgot about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They stay in my mind. You know, I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. It has to be at least 200. At least. I, I mean, hey, I've there's movies that I've seen that many times. And for me, I would say Kill Bill is oh, the yeah. one thing that I've seen at least 300 400 times so yes <laughs> <laughs> oh man the first or the second one both okay. and and let, let me tell you so what i like to do now is because i'm so conscious of how the movie actually flows what i'll do is i'll go back between the second and first movie and i'll watch it in chronological order Mm -hmm. um so like i pick up the the piece from the second movie and then go back to the first movie and then go back and forth and back and oh, forth oh wow oh wow and okay. when i watch it that way it's so fascinating i'm like wow um it it 
it doesn't really shift your perspective on the movie because I mean, I I think the thing with Kill Bill is like because the plot jumps around so much, it kind of brings forth your attention and it makes you focus a little bit more because you're trying to put together the puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. And when you watch it in chronological order, you know, you don't necessarily have to do that. So there's not as much urgency of like focus, but I don't know, for me, it's just, it's nice to see the story from like start to finish in that more mm -hmm. linear way. Mm -hmm. Now, was your seafood like a uh, pie made? <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, was, I, I hope not. Yeah, because you, you talked about rigorous training. I was like, how how more rigorous can you get than that? You know, right? <laughs> yeah, my so my my main seafood, the one that inducted me into the the world of of seafoods. Um, he actually he he was in the military, um, and then he left the military and trained intensively. Um, he's one of the kindest people ever, but he looks extremely intimidating. Okay. But like the second he opens his mouth and he smiles, like you just want to melt in his arms. He's like such a sweet person. Um, mm -hmm. But I did have one teacher that's sim one seafood that's similar to Pai Mei when I was training in China. Um, I actually met him on a mountain, which is funny enough. Wow. And um, at that point, my my Mandarin was advanced, but it wasn't fluent. Um, and he was talking to me in straight fluent Mandarin with a little bit of of a um, hard bin accent. So it was a little bit like difficult to understand him. Um, but he would he just kept talking and talking and talking. And I felt like he was yelling at me because I wasn't fully getting what he was saying. But um, he was just really passionate about talking about martial arts, and he was happy that a foreigner. Um, was in his space wanting to learn his practice. So he was just really eager. Mm -hmm. And he kept throwing um, new techniques and, ob not objects, he didn't throw objects, he threw techniques and and stuff at me because he was really excited. So it kind of felt like Pai Mei in, mm -hmm. in a sense in that way. But he, he also was extremely um, loving and caring. Um, whereas Pai Mei was a little bit, um, it's a little bit more harsh and difficult and heartless. Yeah, I mean, ripping people's eyes out their sockets, you know? And yes. The, the, what was it, the uh, the five-point palm exploding heart technique or something? Yes, the five-point <laughs> palm exploding heart technique. Yes. Oh, God, I love it. I've, <laughs> I've, I've tried to recreate that on my own. Um, and just, just you know, out of fun. I haven't been able to fully replicate it, but I, I'm close. I feel like I'm close. I'm almost there. Oh man, you you you're almost there, huh? You <laughs> you're concocting. <laughs> oh man, like I thought it was. Oh man, like when you when you even think of how something like that could be achieved, like somebody they already know that it's over, but it's like mm -hmm. they gotta take those steps. You know, mm -hmm. they gotta walk it out. And you know that that's one of the things that I actually really appreciate about that technique. It's like it's the realization of death, but still going on. Mm. Um, so it's like you know if you, if you imagine like you know you're you're about to die. Um, do you keep living your days as if you're about to die, or do you keep living your days as if you know these are your last breaths and you're going to fully enjoy them or or take them on, you know? Mm. And so so that particular the five point palm splitting heart technique is I think a beautiful metaphor for how we continue on, even though we know that there's an end to something. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and I, I think about that for um, I thought about that when I was training initially, and I was getting ready for my black belt because um, I, I had done so much training up until that point, and I was like, well, what's going to happen after I get my black belt? Like, I've like, what what is my life going to be? And for me, when I was going through my test, that test felt like a death in some way. Um, I mean, it was grueling, so it, it was like difficult. Um, but I felt like I had lost an older version of myself. And from that loss, I was able to pick up some pieces and find this newer Devante, this newer Sifu love that wanted to take on the world and spread the magic of Kung Fu to the world. So mm -hmm. that felt like a death to me that then rebirthed me into something else. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. And, and you know, speaking of spreading that to the world, you know, I've taken a few of your classes. I've had some sessions with you where we did. Yeah. <laughs> and your healing Kung Fu, man, like, you know, I really enjoy the movements that you incorporate. I've never done those types of movements with anybody else. But I also love how you you always center in and you always like it seems like you really you're you take a mindful moment and you center yourself and you say something like, OK, this is what's coming in right now. You know, mm -hmm. you'll be like, you'll be like, OK, you'll be like, OK, what does the class need? You know, what do we need mm -hmm. today? And then you'll feel it out. You'll say, okay, this is what's coming in, and then we'll go into another movement. So mm -hmm. I would love to know, you know, first off, like, what are you tapping into when you when you feel that? And also just, you know, would love to just hear you about how you started healing Kung Fu and where is it today? Hmm. Um, well, your reflection almost brings tears to my eyes. Like, mm -hmm. like to, to be honest, because um that's exactly what I do. Like I, I, I turn on the camera, people come in, and I take a second to feel what's going on in the, the room, in the space. And the reason I do that is because I've gone to so many other Qigong trainings, teachings, I've gone to yoga teachings, I've gone to these things. And I always, no, I shouldn't say that. I, I often feel like the teachers have this sort of script as to what they want to do. And you know that's great, but I don't feel them trying to understand what's going on with me. I don't feel them trying to engage and adjust according to what's, what's happening within the room. Um, and that was really jarring to me. You know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm very sensitive to energy and, and I can feel when someone is not tuned into my energy or I can, tune, I can feel when someone's not trying to tune into me. Um, and then when I'm doing like really deep spiritual level work with them, but they're not tuned into me, then there's this disconnect and I feel, it feels jarring and it feels uncomfortable to me. So when I started teaching, I was like, I want to make sure that I'm tuning in to the best of my ability as to what's going on within the actual room, what's going on with the space. And I might have a plan as to what the class is going to be, but I don't need to be stuck to that plan. Like that plan can, can completely disintegrate. And then it can become a whole new class that actually is benefiting the people that are there. Mm -hmm. um, so what I do is I, I just stop for a second and I, I tune in back to my own breath and 
I listen to my soul and see what, what my soul is trying to say in the moment. And then I open my ears, my, my psychic ears, and I listen to what the souls of the students are trying to say. Um, so like, like one student, um, one student, like the, a, a couple days ago, the class that I taught, one student's soul was like screaming this idea of forgiveness and another student's soul was screaming anger. And so like, I, I kept hearing like these emotions or these spiritual experiences. And I was like, okay, I, I wanna make sure to provide something to something that's gonna feed that person's soul. Um, so I very quickly in like 30 seconds, I kind of scramble in my mind and I'm like, okay, this is what the class is going to be. And then the class sort of becomes that. And part of my ability to do that is one, I, I've been teaching um, in a formal academic setting for about 10, 10 or so years. So I've, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm very good at creating a curriculum like on the fly. That's, that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm extremely sensitive to other people. And you know, the thing is I can feel when I'm talking to someone, if they, if they understand what I'm saying or if the movement lands, I can feel that. And so I try to make sure to teach in a way that I'm teaching the form proper to its authentic state, but I'm trying to say certain things that I feel like the soul is, is calling for, or it's asking for. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of the space that I get into when I'm practicing. Um, and for me, it's really magical. It's magical to be there and that's the whole notion behind healing kung fu is it's a it's a i, t I talk about it as a traveling martial arts school because that's very much what it is and mm -hmm. now everything's online um, but it's a school that helps people get in touch with their bodies get in touch with their minds get in touch with their souls and use the kung fu movements to align the three and when the mind, body, soul is aligned, I feel like that's when we can truly heal. That mm. we can truly have deep level shifts that are transformative, sustainable, and they land for a long period of time. Yeah. And you know, to to be completely like transparent, like the the word kung fu in Chinese literally just means hard work. Mm -hmm. um, and so the the name of my company is Healing Hard Work. <laughs> you know, to translate yeah. it. And yeah. so like we just put in the hard work to heal ourselves. And mm -hmm. the hard work is the movements. It's the mental exercises. It's the 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 attempt at trying to find answers for the self. And through all of that hard work, people go into the class and they come out of the class feeling relaxed, feeling energized, feeling alive. Sometimes people leave the class feeling agitated. And that agitation is whatever is needed for them to move forward um, through their own life circumstances. And usually what happens if that, if that does happen, the agitation will sort of subside after like a couple hours when something happens. And then when the agitation subsides and they get really calm and it's a really deep level of calm that comes after a storm, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I try to do within my classes and, um, within the programs that I offer, and it's truly magical work. I am, I'm unashamed at calling myself a magical being, and I bring mm -hmm. my magic into the classes as much as I can. Yes, definitely you do. You know, and <laughs> I I can vouch for it. You know, being in a few of your classes myself and experiencing it, 
uh, firsthand and also bringing my friend along one time. Uh, we just had a really good time exploring ourselves, exploring the body with the movements mm. that you incorporated on the fly, which was very impressive. <laughs> you know, like you say, it's, you know, just very in the moment, the way that you tune in. And I love what you said, like putting in the hard work to heal ourselves because mm -hmm. it's not like you're healing us. You're, you know, allowing us and helping us and guiding us to do the work. You know, mm -hmm. we got to do the work. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. And all, all I'm doing is I'm facilitating the forms. And the forms are shapes in which you move the body and you orient the mind. And when, when you get into that form, into that shape, you do the work to heal yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm so disappointed in many of the spiritual teachers that I've met some of them famous and, and that I've worked with who want to have this sort of savior complex, who are very comfortable with saying, I have this modality, you come to me, I will heal you and your problems will go away. And then these people get attached and the people come back to the healer over and over and over because the issue either keeps coming back or something else comes up. And then the people don't know how to heal themselves. They don't have the agency to work through their own issues. And that to me is really, really disappointing. Mm. And I wanted to make sure that I don't do that. And healing Kung Fu, the, the purpose of my teaching is so you learn enough that you no longer need me. Right. You know, I'm, I'm literally just there to facilitate the initial steps of learning. And then you have the forms in your body. You might not remember all of the forms specifically, but you have the somatic memory. Yeah. And if you can go back into your imagination and think about some of the forms, then you, you're getting some of the benefits as it is. And you can come back to me and we can tune up. But you ultimately are doing the healing on your own. And I'm just providing the space for someone to do the hard work. Yeah. 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 I, as you were speaking, I just remembered one of the forms that we did that you instructed. And I remember like telling myself, oh, oh, I definitely want to, you know, I don't want to forget this because it felt so <laughs> powerful, you know, it was like flexing my bicep in this way where I was pushing my arm down in the center and then bringing it up around my body and mm -hmm. then putting it up in like a fist and then having the mm -hmm. other one on my side and then switching. And it was just so simple, but so like powerful. It just felt powerful, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so funny because the second you said that, I knew, ex before you described it, I knew exactly which form you were talking about. Yeah. Um, you're talking about shamanic liver fist, which is yes, a yes, super, super powerful form. Yes. Ooh, that, that form is one of the forms that has really helped me understand anger and has helped me really process all that was happening around the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, realizing that my anger is not bad. I don't need to hide my anger. I don't need to um, push it away, but rather I need to express it in some sense. It needs to my anger can be procreative. It can go into an energy of creating something. Mm -hmm. And then that led me into creating new forms that then are able to help people work through certain issues. It led me to put on events. It led me to um, participate in some demonstrations, um, healing-based demonstrations. And so like that particular form was so helpful for me to know how can I move forward with all this heaviness and this anger mm -hmm. that I'm feeling. Yeah. Wow, shamanic liver fist. I'm not going to forget it. Yeah, I'm going to remember it now. <laughs> I forgot the name, but I remembered the form. So yes. 
I got the name again. Awesome. <laughs> There's also something you were saying that uh, really hit me and clicked because you were talking about the healing that we do for ourselves. And I like on your page, you said something that I have not heard before uh, people saying about renegotiating our relationship with trauma and that Mm. trauma isn't necessarily something that we can totally heal from or that we would want to. And I would love Mm -hmm. to hear, you know, how did that come to you? Yeah, so the teacher that I'm working with um, now, who's, um, I'm actually about to begin testing for new Qigong forms related to um, gender expression and transformation. And like those forms are super powerful. And um, in one of the sessions, she had said, um, she had said, like, you know, everyone talks about healing their traumas. But how do you know when a trauma is healed? Like, what, what does that actually mean? And then she, she had mentioned for herself, she's like, I feel uncomfortable saying, I feel uncomfortable if someone's coming to me and saying, help me heal my trauma. Um, because like, you know, who am I to say that, I, that your trauma is healed? And your trauma is so unique to your own DNA code that to heal it, you know, to heal something implies that it disappears, that it goes away. Mm. And that's sort of my take on on the idea of healing and i i completely agreed with, with what she said there and trauma is a circumstance that has come into your life that has caused a sense of distress has caused discomfort has caused tension and from navigating that we're able to transform we're able to become something else um and and every time i say that i have to say i'm not glorifying trauma i'm not saying oh we need trauma in order to transform no i'm not saying that what i'm saying is that there's trauma that comes into our life and if we're able to negotiate with it if we're able to realize okay you are you are this this trauma this is how you've impacted me this is what i've learned this is what this is the relationship that we have with each other once you're able to negotiate your relationship with your trauma, then you can see it as a stepping stone to who you are now, to, mm. who, to who you will be at some particular point. And I think for me, um, you know, I've sort of evolved in my thinking around healing and healing in that healing seems in our society, we think of healing as sort of a static process. It's like you, you go to the doctor, they give you surgery, you're healed, it's done. Whereas for me, the word renegotiate is a constant process of go- going back into the relationship, leaving, going back in, and, and leaving. So it kind of creates this continual container of work, which then leads to even more transformation. So I just think for me, the idea of renegotiating trauma is such a um, more, it, it's a very healthy way of thinking about how we can approach our trauma. Um, there's some people who, who have, um, you know, since me talking about that, people who completely disagree and they talk about um, how heal, how we can actually heal our trauma. And, and I think there is a level of healing that we can get to. But I just think it's helpful linguistically because, again, I'm so much about words. Words are very important to me. Right. I think it's important linguistically that we think about 
renegotiating trauma because it's a constant relationship. And one day you might feel really strong, one day you might feel really weak, one day you might feel sort of in between. And it's a constant process of realizing where you are in relationship to your trauma today and where you want to be the next day. Yeah, wow, that is such a unique take on something that you know has definitely been talked about a time and time again, but it's such a fresh perspective that I find it so awesome you talk about just renegotiating our relationship with trauma. I feel like it in my mind, I see myself, you know, sitting in Starbucks, you know, having a mm -hmm. coffee with my trauma and <laughs> acknowledging my trauma, having a conversation with trauma, you know, and just saying like, mm -hmm. how we how we doing? You know, mm -hmm. like <laughs> <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just like allowing it to to feel heard, you know, to feel seen and um, not like healing it away as though I'm going to heal away a part of myself. Like you said, it's in your DNA. It's a part of you, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing I find within our society is like a lot of people will push away. They'll push away the, the, their traumas. They'll say their traumas don't exist. They'll, they'll repress them. And that just leads you to being even more unhealthy. It leads you to acting in ways that your traumas controlling your your behavior mm -hmm. and just the idea of renegotiating i like what you said that image of being in starbucks like i i can visualize that moment for you like i, I see it you're sitting there with your i don't know caramel macchiato or whatever people get at starbucks <laughs> i don't drink coffee um <laughs> but like like you know it's it's such an important image to have because I think that's how we attain true health is being in constant negotiation with our tragedies, with our traumas, with our anxiety. And when we have that dialogue, there's so much more that we realize and there's so much more that we can then um, integrate back into our being. Just having that conversation is really important. Yeah, yeah. You know, earlier we were also talking when when you spoke on the Matrix and, and the movies that you allowed to expand your consciousness uh, during the, the silent period that mm -hmm. you were on your silent retreat. When it comes to expanding consciousness, I thought this was so awesome, seeing that you utilize fiction to reprogram the mind and expand consciousness with things like comic books and that mm -hmm. black, what you call Black Panther consciousness <laughs> yes <laughs> yo you know yeah that that has been a huge game changer for me like very much so um the the black panther mythology is such <sighs> it's so refreshing to me um because growing up as a, a black boy and I didn't have my, I didn't have a father around. I didn't really have an example of what it meant to be a, a healthy black man. You know, I, I had examples of unhealthy things around me that I saw, but I didn't have very many examples of, of a healthy black man. And seeing the Black Panther, seeing the way that he relates to his people, the love that he has for his people, the way that he treats his generals, um, and just his whole demeanor, like that was like, this is a beautiful example of a powerful black person. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, well, what, what of his behavior can I emulate? Like in what way can I talk to people that has that sort of similar like Black Panther-like swag? 
you know, and it, it was really good practice for me to kind of look at his behavior and see like, you know, what can I pull into my own consciousness and what do I not want to pull into my own consciousness? You know, it became mm -hmm. a negotiation between me and the Black Panther. And we were mm -hmm. talking like this happened in meditation many, many times where we were sitting down. Actually, often when I do Black Panther work, I'm somehow near near water. So I'm always swimming or I'm like near the pool. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're swimming and then like he's sort of talking to me and I'm learning more about um him and what it represents and then i'm like okay this is an interesting concept like this is how the black panther um works through negative energy let me try that oh this worked for me oh this didn't work for me and then you know now i have a new experience to try out and bring into my own being and so whenever we work with fiction to reprogram our consciousness we need to be very aware of ourselves and what feels authentic to us and from there, we engage in fiction and we see what seems interesting. We try it out. And it's this push and pull in a way where you're, you're bringing in ideas and you're pushing away ideas and you're finding what feels most authentic to you through that, that process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you're unleashing your inner T'Challa. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> though, though sometimes I feel more like like Killmonger, but that's a whole different thing. But yes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing that um in that comic book, the the version of you, that picture was awesome too. You know, with the locks. You know. Mm, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. That I got commissioned. It's, it's so interesting. Like I, I got a download from my guides of like, you should get, you should get an animated version of yourself. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't really care so much about that. Um, but then I found someone on Instagram. I think his name is Wicca Arts and he does amazing work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, let, let me just throw out, throw out some ideas to him and see what he comes up with. And, and if I like the sketch, then, then we'll go with it. And I mentioned how I like the Black Panther and I work with the Black Panther when I do healings with people. I mentioned my connection with dragons and martial arts. Um, I mentioned like, I love having my braids because my braids help me feel more connected to my African ancestry. Mm -hmm. um, and then he, he drew something and I was like, this is amazing, let's keep going. So then we kind of kept adding different things to it. But that particular animation, I would say is a compilation of so many mythological stories that I feel um, encapsulate my own being and the way that I go about in the world. It has um, has Avatar in it. It has um, magic, maybe Doctor Strange-ish stuff. It has Kung Fu. It has yeah. Black Panther. It just has so much in it. And it has like um, the, the African diaspora. It has Native American stuff in it. And it just feels really good when I see that because then I'm seeing... I'm seeing myself reflected back onto me and I'm seeing myself as a mythological character, as, as a, as a work of my own fictional art. Mm -hmm. And that's really helpful for me to then see myself beyond what I currently see. And that's one of the things that helps me with, it helps me expand myself and helps me when I want to do my own healing, because I, I believe if, if we want to heal, we need to, imagine more than ourselves you know yeah. we can't just see ourselves as who we are now we have to see ourselves as who we are after we're healed yeah. and that picture is a constant 
reminder of me using my imagination to see more of myself. So it's helping me flex my own imagination muscles. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Devante, that was beautiful, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow, this is so guided. Like you're channeling right now, you know. This I feel like awesome. I am. <laughs> this is awesome, man. I, the way you said that, you know, a work of your own fictional art, you know, I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> it's like like a painting or, you know, you're leveling up your own avatar. You're upgrading yourself, a work of your own fictional art. That's awesome. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I, I have to say it's it's something about your presence and, you know, you are extremely comforting and calming. You're very much like water. And so you're like, you're like water and earth at the same time. So it's very easy to kind of have this discussion with you and feel comfortable. So thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure. You know, that's ironic you say that because I am a water sign. Uh, mm. I'm a Scorpio. And as well, uh, water bending is what I'm most, uh, what I gel with when it comes to the, the series. So, you know, mm-hmm. water bending when it came to like... Um, just the different ways that they were able to incorporate Tai Chi, you know, in the show. I just enjoyed that. So mm-hmm. now I'm just learning how to stay in the flow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like you're doing super well at it. Love it. Thank you. You know, one more thing we that you just mentioned about imagination, because that was something powerful that I saw on your page as well, that you said, imagination is your greatest weapon, you know? Mm. When did that come to you and how does that speak to you as well? That's a really good question. Um, You know, it goes back to the idea that in order to heal, we need to imagine more of ourselves But really, that goes back to my training when I was getting my master's in spiritual psychology. Um, We did so many activities on ourselves and so that we had the understanding of the activity that we can then work with people on later. And I would say 90% of the activities required us to use the imagination. We had to visualize something. Um, We had to... um, sort of channel an image that came where we had to draw something. And I found that we kept using the imagination. There was so much of the imagination. And that's all, and I realized that that's all what most meditations are. It's like you're sitting there, you're breathing, and then you're using the imagination in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're imagining um, a past life or you're imagining a, a blue cloud of love and you're, you're absorbing that cloud into your being. And so, it was just a huge moment for me to, that, that period of time was a huge moment for me to realize that the imagination is a powerful tool that we can utilize in order to expand ourselves. Um, and even now when I say that, like it, you know, I just get really excited because, you know, no one's imagination is the same everyone's imagination is different. And the imagination is a conglomerate of all of your life's experiences, everything you've been exposed to, everything you haven't been exposed to, the things your soul has picked up on. Um, So everyone's imagination is is so different. And so because of that, 
it's something that reminds me of how unique we all are. And, and when we tap into our uniqueness, I feel like that's one of the things that allows us to truly understand who we are. And it helps us understand how we want to interact in the world. And it just feels really healthy and energizing. That's what it is. It feels energizing. Yeah. Um, when, when, you, when you realize the ways that you're unique, you feel energized. And part of that is within the practices that I teach, there's this idea of the, the Jing or the life force. And so when we tap into the imagination, the life force starts to fluctuate and it becomes bigger and bigger and it surges up into the body. And I think that the imagination is sort of the, the way in which that we grow our own life force, that we remind ourselves of how vital we are, of how powerful we are. And I think that's true because the people that I know to be the most powerful, the people that I think are really powerful are people that have a really strong imagination. Yeah. People who are able to really like utilize their imagination and go all, all over the place and do a ton of things. They're not just writers or um, in movies and stuff like that. You know, even a mathematician can have a beautiful imagination. And um, that's something that I think is really strong and powerful. Most definitely. Most definitely. And it just reminded me while you were speaking of the different times that you utilized and incorporated imagination for us during your sessions in healing Kung Fu and just mm -hmm. drawing on our own imagination to during the movements like pulling on thread, you know, and, mm -hmm. there and just moving around and just really enjoyed, you know, the visualizations that you kind of planted, you know, <laughs> planted. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes the type of Qigong that I teach um, different. So, and this comes from the, the tradition called Moga Dao, um, where we pull in the imagination and we connect the imagination into the movements. So it's not like you're just taking your hands and you're bringing your hands to the side, but instead you're digging into the dirt and you're pulling up the dirt and you're very carefully carrying it over to the side as to not let a single drop of soil fall out of your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And when I give that indication, people's bodies move very differently. And it's interesting to me, like when I use the imagination and I see someone's bodies react in a very different way, there's a level of intentionality that comes into the movement. And I think that's where the healing happens because the soul is now awake. The soul is like, okay, I'm here, I'm present, I'm ready. And this, it's, it's the soul that's guiding the imagination into the movement and it changes the quality of the movement itself. And that for me is really powerful to watch. It's so powerful to watch people express deep emotion, express memory, express something that's deep within them, express it through their bodies, through a very simple movement. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's amazing to me how simple the movements are mm -hmm. and how powerful they are. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a reminder that things that are truly magical and powerful are usually the most simplistic things. Yeah. They're not the complex things with like 80 different steps. It's really the most simple things are the things that have the deepest impact on us that are deeply magical and powerful. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. This is soul food, man. Food for the soul. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Oh, gosh. This has been a great conversation. Thank Definitely. you.
where can we find you and where can people, you know, schedule a Qigong session with you if they'd like and just information uh, about you? Please let us know. Sure, sure. So my website is healingkungfu.com, healingkungfu.com. Um, and my Instagram is just at healingkungfu. Um, and there's the option to book me through Instagram or through the website. Um, this Let's see. So for this summer, I'm going to have some sporadic group classes, but I'm having a lot of um, collaborations with people um, to do programs and events throughout the summer. And then I'll continue my regular group classes in the fall. Um, and right now I'm actually um, enrolling people into my three month um, movement program, which is awesome. a very deeply intensive. It's deeply intensive in the sense that Again, the movements are simple, but the psychology behind them is very complex and it's very um, it's very individualized. So it's very deep work for the individual person. And I guide us through a whole three month process of movements, of meditation, of reflection. So we really uncover who it is we are on the inside, who our soul is trying to inform us of. and helping us to embody that person. So we walk out into the world feeling like your true self and not mm -hmm. feeling like you are all these TV shows that are telling you how to be or how the magazines are telling you how to look or how your parents have told you to behave or to act. You're mm -hmm. no longer that. You are you. You are, you are the embodied expression of your soul. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope to help people through. And I've got, um, I'm pretty, um, it's, it's, it's a pretty small group that I hold and I bring in new people each month um, through the three month process. And it's, it's a really powerful container of massive transformation and change. And I'm excited to be holding space for that. Awesome. Yeah, that does sound powerful. You know, it sounds like chipping away at the non-essential, you know, everything that's mm -hmm. not you chipping away and then just leaving you, you know? Yes, yes, exactly. You, awesome. you got it completely. And, and, and so, and that's why I titled the program mythic. It's, it's, you know, cause I believe deep within we have our own mythological self, like I described for myself. And the more you kind of pull away all of the, the, the gum, the guck that's gotten stuck onto your being, then you can live your radiant mythic self. I love it. I love it. So we'll have, healingkungfu.com and you said at healingkungfu of course on Instagram if people want to book a session with you they can find it in your description right in the bio mm -hmm. exactly exactly all right all right excellent wow Devante thank you for coming on this has been awesome <laughs> yeah thank you for having me I'm so surprised at time I feel like we we time traveled a we little did. bit here but we did <laughs> always happens mm-hmm mm -hmm. But yes, th thank you so much for having me and thank you all for listening. I am deeply grateful for this time and for this space and um, for you to have given me the chance to share these thoughts that have been lingering in my mind. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful.